The scripture reading for this morning is Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 9a. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, or evening, or, I don't know, middle of the night, I guess, for some of our uh, folks that work shifts. Uh, it's good to uh, come together today, and, and um, if you've been with us over the past month, you've, you know already we've been exploring this uh, Celtic notion of thin places, namely places where we have had a transcending or transformative uh, experience of God, where the separation between heaven and earth seems to collapse and we have this profound sense of God. And we are continuing that exploration today uh, with uh, the thin place of serving. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Abby didn't plan the timing this way, but just this last Tuesday, she hosted a meeting where a number of us watched part of a video series called When Helping Hurts. I think that's what it's called, actually. I didn't double-check that. <laughs> Much of which is about serving. Healthy ways and po positive ways that we can serve, but also some not-so-healthy and not-so-positive ways that uh, we have perhaps served in the past and to um, be uh, cautious of. Now, while the videos were okay, what I most enjoyed was the conversation uh, that we had together. Uh, it was encouraging and thought-provoking and challenging. Um, Abby is going to be hosting another one of these conversations in the coming month, so I encourage you to consider joining us uh, for the next installment. And one of the foundational concepts of this series is to get us to have a proper view of what poverty is. Many of us in North America have the assumption that the word poverty uh, is in reference to uh, wealth. Uh, money to get food, clothing, housing, all of these things. But poverty of wealth or economic poverty is actually just one form of poverty. And at its most basic level, poverty can be understood as a lack of something. So, along with economic poverty of wealth, an example of poverty that we as a nation are becoming aware of is social poverty, where people groups have few rights or are undervalued or underheard. We have a, as a country, we've known about the terrible abuses against indigenous people in this land. Since 2015, with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada report, We've known not only the horrific details of residential schools, but we knew the reality that there are these uncounted numbers of children's, children buried in these lands because that report contained um, a 
an appeal for us to invest resources in, in searching for the children who are buried. We've known about the high rate of missing and murdered Indigenous women. We've known about the lack of safe water in more than 100 Indigenous communities across the country. We've known the facts, but we haven't heard their voice on a whole in any significant way. And that's social poverty. Uh, I think the same can be said of, uh, as we've, you know, had in the last uh, year, you know, with, uh, Black, with Black Lives Matter uh, and George Floyd, uh, bringing to awareness that this is the social poverty of, of ethnic groups, uh, such as uh, black people and um, Asians, with Asian hate uh, uh, crimes rising. Um, this is social poverty. Other examples of forms of poverty are educational poverty, environmental poverty, health poverty, and what is often called spiritual poverty, a hopelessness, a despair, a sense of meaninglessness. And spiritual poverty, of course, is the type of poverty that is most rampant in richer nations uh, like ours, whether it's visible or it's shrouded behind a mask of self-sufficiency. But anyways, so the focus of this video series was, was mostly around economic poverty. Being materially poor is the language that they used in the video series. And how Christians can live out the biblical call to alleviate economic poverty in ways that are healthy and helpful. Our conversation turned towards what is often called short-term mission trips. Uh, and short-term mission trips, for those of you who aren't familiar, is often a group from a church going for a short length of time to a place and a people that are experiencing economic poverty to help out in some way. Now this morning, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of all of the benefits of these trips or the dangers of these trips or, or how these trips can, ha can happen in positive ways. That conversation is important, and we need, but we're going to save it for another time. However, as we come to explore the thin places where God meets us in serving, a story came to mind uh, in this conversation about short-term missions I wanted to share with you about one of my own experiences of a short-term trip um, that I had in uh, Central America. In my early 20s, uh, I went to Honduras with an organization called CTI, uh, Carpenters Tools International. It was a music-based ministry which uh, invited by local organizations like uh, Juventud para Cristo, which is a terrible pronunciation of Youth for Christ in Spanish. They sent teams of teens and young adults around the world to do concerts that uh, then also included drama and testimonies and invitations to meet with the local um, Youth for Christ uh, staff as a way of continuing uh, any relationships that were built through this uh, music ministry. And I remember in Honduras, this house where I was hosted was the only house of all of our hosts that had a shower. Uh, and the shower was essentially a water barrel that you could pull on a rope and it let a few seconds of cold water splash over you. You know, and then shivering, you lathered up and you you know, you did all of your lathering with soap, and then you pulled the rope again to get another splash of water to try to rinse off. 
And it was actually quite a luxury to be able to take a shower every few days like this. A luxury which I later found out cost the family dearly to let us use as much water as we did use. And I remember developing uh, relationships and friendships over my weeks there with these new friends who materially had almost nothing, and yet they in, uh, invited a bunch of North Americans to come and to live with them and to use all of their water. In that short time there, I could see glimpses of their daily struggle for survival, yet there had been a deep joy in life that I myself had never known. Not to mention a generosity in hospitality and in gift-giving that outmatched any I had ever seen. Um, I remember doing these concerts, you know, where crowds would come and watch. And I imagine the nature of our being white North Americans, or mostly white North Americans, made us enough of a spectacle that it probably drew some crowds, of interested crowds, to see what was going on. I vaguely remember people enjoying the music and people coming to the Youth for Christ staff for prayer, you know, expressing desire to know Jesus or for encouragement in their faith. But while we had been invited to come and offer our ministry, what I remember most strongly is how very apparent it was that I was the one who was receiving a gift by being there. I was the one being served under the auspices of me being the one serving. And I remember on our last day there, a young child that I had spent a lot of time playing with came to say goodbye. And I knew his family were one of the most material poor families that we had met. They had, they had nothing. And yet, as this child came to say goodbye, he gave me this little change purse. And at first, I tried to refuse, knowing that it was likely a gift of great cost to him. Um, but then I remembered, you know, the training that we had had, um, that refusing such a gift would actually be hurtful. And so I accepted it. And that moment was a thin place for me. It seemed to wrap up all of what I had been experiencing. My heart flooded with emotion, and though I didn't realize it at the time, um, I've come to recognize that while I had come to share God with them, in that moment was one, I was the one who received God. I had been evangelized, not the other way around. And as I've been reflecting this week on this and in other experiences that I've had in short-term mission, it strikes me that these Honduran friends very well could have said to one another, we are doing a short-term mission experience this summer. We're going to have a bunch of North Americans come visit and we can get them here by telling them that we need their help. <laughs> but once they're here, we can minister to them. And maybe they'll meet Jesus in new and wonderful ways. Now, I don't really think they actually thought this. Because they were, I think, way too humble for that kind of thinking. More likely, they invited us to come with an awareness of the gift that we both offered to one another. Though, I would still say that I received more than they did. And experiences like this has deeply impacted the way I have come to understand both what it means to serve as well as how God meets us in serving. 
Now, I'm not uh, usually one to use alliteration. That's where all the points, uh, things start with the same letter. In fact, I'm pretty sure the last time I used alliteration, like two years ago, I also pointed out that I'm not usually one to use alliteration. However, I accidentally stumbled upon this for this week, so here it is if it helps you remember something, then great. So the three, the three H's, helpfulness, hiddenness, and humility. Helpfulness. Now, as we contemplate the ways that we have in the past and will in the future meet with God in thin places of serving, one lie I think that we must confront is the lie that bigger is better. Yes, there is much poverty in many of its forms all across the world. And yes, as followers of Christ, we are called to address and alleviate what of it we can. And yes, all service requires sacrifice for serving someone else does mean we are giving up something of ourselves. But we must be careful not to measure the value of our service by the magnitude of the sacrifice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together writes this. The second service that one should perform for another Christian, for another in a Christian community, and the first service he talks about is simply the service of listening, which I think is key for helpfulness, hiddenness, and humility especially, is listening. But anyway, the second service that one should perform is of active helpfulness. This means initially simple assistance in trifling external matters. One who worries about the loss of time that such petty outward acts of helpfulness entail is usually taking the importance of their own career too solemnly. Richard Foster writes something similar to this. Self-denial gives the feel of adventure. If we forsake all, we even have the chance of glorious martyrdom. But in service, we must experience the many little deaths of going beyond ourselves. Service banishes us to the mundane, the ordinary, the trivial. God calls us to and longs to make himself known to us in the little daily, seemingly mundane acts of active helpfulness. And I know for myself, when someone asks me to help them out, and when I, instead of begrudging the time that it's going to take away from whatever I was doing or could have been doing, but when I pause and reflect on this little thing that I've done for someone, I sometimes feel this thin place of joy or contentedness that encourages and inspires me to go and to do more for others. Now, this is a, a place where I think we need to be careful in, in all of our conversation around thin places. Because it is very easy when thinking about thin places of meaning with God that we want to pursue them merely for our own benefit, such as serving others just for what we get out of it. Which is where the second H comes in, hiddenness. So helpfulness is a word I got from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Hiddenness is from uh, Richard Foster in the same book. He compares self-righteous service with what he calls true service. Self-righteous serving, he says, is are things like it's contented only with results. It is affected by moods and whims, how we're feeling in the moment, rather than simply serving because there is a need. 
He also says, and this is a quote, self-righteous service requires external rewards. It needs to know that people see and appreciate the effort. True service rests contented in hiddenness. It does not fear the lights and blare of attention, but it does not seek them either. Since it is living out of a new center of reference, the divine nod of approval is completely sufficient. True service rests contented in hiddenness. I love that. He also writes this line, uh, which I also really uh, enjoy. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. Serving others means making personal sacrifice, little deaths of going beyond ourselves. And so the brokenness of our humanity, our flesh that seeks comfort and pleasure only for the self, it whines when we serve. It whines when we do anything that is Christ-like. So it whines when we serve. Our flesh, our bodies say, come on, do we have to do that? What a waste of time. It's, I could be relaxing right now, or I could use that time, or that energy, or that money, or the respect for something else. In the grand scheme of things, what difference can you really make anyway? So let's just, let's just not do that. You know, and this is what our, our flesh says. It whines in these ways when we serve. But when we serve in hiddenness, where no one but God sees and we don't receive any attention or human affirmation, then our flesh really screams at us. And again, I think the more Christ-like something is, the more our flesh screams and pushes against it. And one part of all of this noise, whether quiet whining or screaming, when our ears are attuned to this, we then are deaf to the voice of the Spirit, which is whispering, well done, faithful servant. The only affirmation that will truly lead us deeper into living out the image of God in us is easily drowned out by the whining and screaming of our flesh and of the enemy trying to lead us away from serving others, away from living like Christ. You know, our society today is obsessed with living life with a performance mindset. If it isn't posted on social media, it didn't happen, right? It didn't exist if there isn't a picture taken of it or a, a, a tweet, or uh, Instagram, or Snapchat, or whatever it is. And this is where I think hiddenness uh, speaks strongly to our culture. I have a challenge for you. Do something for someone else. Intentionally go out of your way to serve someone in some way, and it can be really small. It could be big, but it could be some small thing. But then don't post it. Don't take a picture. Don't tell anyone. See how long you can go without mentioning it to anyone, not even your closest friend. And as time passes, reflect on how you feel about that. Is it hard to not say anything? Is it easy? If it's hard, why? Is it, is it that you want to share the joy? You know, this, the receiver of your gift uh, received a joy and you want to share that joy with other people? Or do you simply want people to know so that they can affirm you in the, the gift of service that you offered? 
I don't think there's anything wrong. Don't, don't hear me. There's nothing wrong, I don't think, in the act of posting itself it, and sharing in itself. It is simply the intention or the need that it fills that I, I, uh, I think is worth paying attention to and that doing acts in hiddenness can help us. It will reveal some of the inner motivations of our hearts. They're good things to see about the inner motivations of our hearts. And perhaps there's also some hard things to see. And I think it may also reveal where God wants to meet with you in serving others. A thin place for me is when I see someone else serving in the background. Someone who doesn't know that I see them, or at least isn't doing it to be seen, no one sees them, and, and the person doing the serving doesn't need anyone to see them. And whenever I catch a glimpse of someone doing something hidden like this, even the smallest little thing is a thin place for me. I am moved in my spirit, and it stirs a desire in me to serve others like they do, to have uh, this, this heart of service, to simply serve where there is a need for others not to fulfill one's own need for validation. You know, I, uh, often I joke that this is what a, being a bass player is like. We don't have a bass player today, so it's not embarrassing for Mike or for uh, Wes, but this is what a bass player is like. You know, you're, you, you're foundational to the music. You know you're foundational, but yet no one even knows you're there. <laughs> I mean, I say that jokingly, but Bass players will laugh because they know they are the most invisible person in a band. And our sound techs, the only time anyone pays attention to a sound tech or a projectionist is when you make a mistake, right? Otherwise, you serve behind the scenes with no acclamation, doing your job to make other people look and sound good while all the while you are hidden in the balcony. By the way, if you're looking to be more Christ-like and serve in hiddenness, we are looking for more volunteers on sound and projection. <laughs> anyway. But, you know, it's these types of places. And, I, you know, I'm, simply by pointing it out, I kind of ruin the whole secret for them. But I joke, but at the same time, I'm not joking. These, these acts of hiddenness... Um, our willingness to, to serve in hidden places reveals intentions of our hearts. And so help, helpfulness in acts of hiddenness brings us to the final H, humility. Richard Foster points out the night that Jesus was betrayed, his disciples had an argument about who of them was the greatest, which I think is just awesome that they have this argument. And when they find themselves, so just having had an argument, which of us is the best? Who's the best disciple? Who's the greatest? They find themselves sitting around a table and they all have dirty feet because while well, the lowest person in the room is the one who's supposed to wash everyone else's feet. So wanting to be, well, if not at least the greatest disciple, they want to at least not be the least disciple. They all sit there with dirty feet, unwilling to lower themselves and be the lowest in the room. And these are like 
the disciples, right? These are the, the, the people who are some of the foundations of Christianity are so caught up in their own wanting to be exalted that they are unwilling to serve one another. And Jesus, the one they know to be the Messiah, gets up and redefines what being the greatest is by making himself the least in the room. And he washes their feet. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells his disciples that whenever his followers feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, show hospitality to strangers, clothe the naked, care for the sick, visit the people in prison, whatever they do for these people, they do for Jesus. And I want to point out that, uh, just highlight that these things, giving drink to the thirsty, caring for the sick, feeding those who are hungry, these don't need to be big, huge acts, but they can be little, small acts of helpfulness done in hiddenness. But whenever these things are done, they are done for Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Son of the Almighty God, is one who serves. And when you serve people in need, people who have lack, you are in Christ's presence by serving them. And you are serving Him. So there's no wonder that serving others in hiddenness, taking the spot of the least, can be a thin place where we meet with God. Because when we do, we are not only being more like Jesus, we are actually closer to Him than we were when we were higher or saw ourselves as higher. But by being humble and seeking not our own validation or our own lifting up, but instead simply serving to address a need and to be faithful to God, we find ourselves in the presence of Christ who is among the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the stranger, and the prisoner. There's no wonder that serving can be a thin place of meeting God because it's in those humble places of serving and hiddenness that we realize that those we are serving are not low. And in reality, they may be in less need of us than we are of them. When we serve others in humble hiddenness, we face our own places of poverty and our own biases and prejudices can be broken down and replaced with compassion and unity. Our sense of being higher is replaced with humility as we realize the great gift that we receive from those who we previously thought of as low. Theodore Wisner writes in an article, Experiencing God in the Poor. And if you're interested in a, a relatively short article, I mean, there are books and books on this. But if you're a relatively short article, this is a, I mean, it's kind of old, so you have to read it from a dated lens. Um, but in this article, Experiencing God in the Poor, he writes that we realize that we are not needed in the way that we thought. That rather we must learn from the poor, learn their wisdom, and be evangelized by them. When our serving is humble and hidden in helpfulness, 
Seeking to be Jesus' hands and feet, we ourselves meet the living Christ and we are evangelized. We end up being saved by those we think that we, with those we pridefully and wrongfully think we are going to save. The world doesn't need more saviors. It already has one. What the world needs is more servants who help in humble hiddenness, willing to meet God in ways that shake the foundations of our, uh, our self-understanding. The Isaiah passage that Peggy read for us tells us that worshiping God desires, that the worship God desires is to loose chains of injustice, to work in the world to alleviate poverty, which, by the way, does include caring for your own flesh and blood. So again, small acts, not just out there, but also in here, in our homes, in our, with our friends and our families, in our communities. To work to alleviate places of lack. But as Isaiah points out, this is not only true worship, but this is where God promises to meet his people. It is here where they will hear his voice and they will know his presence. Thin places of serving uh, aren't simply about making us feel good because we did something nice. But we actually place ourselves in God's presence when we serve others. Thin places are about where we meet God. So where is Jesus most absent and where is Jesus most present? Well, he's most absent in self-exaltation, in pride, in outward showiness, in discrimination, division, oppression. According to scripture, though, Jesus is most present in places of poverty, amongst the oppressed, the poor, the orphans, widows, refugees, amongst family in need, amongst any who are in need. And Jesus is most present in humility, in compassion, in placing ourselves below others, in serving others. And this is where we serve God and others, and it is where we receive God from others. So let us choose to meet God in the thin places of serving through lives of humble, hidden helpfulness. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the ways that you turn our lives upside down, our understandings upside down. God, we confess so many times we really have, we have this view of how badly the world needs us. Or we have this alternative narrative that we believe that nothing we have is of worth or can make any difference. And Lord, both of these do not reflect the truth of who you have created us to be. Or of, the, the, or of your presence amongst those who are in need. We ask, God, that you would make us humble. That we would seek, we would learn more and more to seek not our own gain, but to serve others. 
We ask God that you would give us by your Holy Spirit the strength and the wisdom and the joy to serve in hidden helpfulness. And sometimes, and for some of us, that may be calls to... uh, to going overseas or going, in, going out into other communities. Um, but for many of us, Lord, that is uh, calling us to be uh, where, present where we are with open eyes and open hearts to seeing the need that is very real all around us and to offer a humble acts of hidden helpfulness. We pray in your name. Amen.